there was just so much I wanted to tell her about like who, the kind of person that I had become, mm-hmm. how much of it was because of her, like like what I had learned, who I was, and like I just wanted to tell her all the things, and I couldn't. Yeah. I so I would I would just kept telling this person like tell her that I love her, that I missed her, and all these things. We didn't we didn't really have. Uh, actual in-depth conversations because it's you can't really have that when you, when you have to have a translator right. between you two and yeah so it was just yeah I, I'm just hella resentful about mm-hmm. it like time yeah yeah all the time. yeah well I mean I didn't mean to bring down the mood of the conversation no, I just was no, like no, it's fine. I mean that's that's like real that's real stuff that's like real pain and real loss that you're talking Absolutely. about you know? Um, no, I'm glad to say it out like I need people to know. I'm mad as hell. <laughs> I mean, I'm mad as hell. Won't you come along with me? Hello, hello! Welcome to Young Gifted and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Danny as the guest, or Isabel, as she's more commonly known on the internet. Um, Isabel is a writer who uh, focuses a lot on um, self-compassion, body positivity, mental health, and human dynamics, as she puts it, and also as a photographer and an advocate for a whole bunch of different causes. Um, And she's also from Cameroon. Uh, She was born and raised in Cameroon and uh, moved to the States and started high school here and uh, has been here ever since. So uh, we talked about what that transition was like for for her when she was in high school. Also talked about her time uh, in college, trying to decide the path that's best for her, even at the risk of uh, disappointing her parents. And uh, we also talked about some time she spent in Ghana. Um, She went to Ghana to uh, study and do some research uh, in relation to her thesis for her master's in public health. So, um, and also during that same year, she got to go back to Cameroon again for the first time since she had moved away as a as a teenager. So that was a real, um, a really eye-opening experience for her. And then last but not least, we also talked about Senegal. So uh, during the fall 2018. Um, Isabel had a really amazing opportunity to go to Senegal to observe and work under a business mentor of hers. And uh, actually, as I speak, she is in Senegal for a much longer time this time and uh, is, you know, engaging in the same type of uh, women and youth focused services and programming that she first got involved in, you know, a few months ago. So uh, I was really glad to be able to talk to her before she left. Uh, her interview was actually the first one I did in 2019, so I was really glad to get in the swing of things and start off with someone as kind and empathetic and genuinely <laughs> funny as Isabel. So, um, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Isabel Masado. Thank you for uh, agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. You're the you're the first person I'm interviewing in 2019, <laughs> and um, I'm really excited about this. So, um, 
why don't we start with you introducing oh goodness introducing yourself if you don't mind okay uh girl i don't know what i'm supposed to say Uh, (laughs) say whatever you want to say about yourself i so my name my name is danny isabel and i am yeah i guess i'm a lover of all things travel because i just i i love humanity so any opportunity to to learn more about people um to discover new things especially collect collect uh, different ways that people interact with each other mm-hmm. I, I always take it so that's why I love traveling so much I just love seeing how people behave with each other in different different cultures and different settings yeah so yeah that's about it I guess <laughs> okay that's good <laughs> um and you you're originally from Cameroon right I sure am yeah when did you originally come over to the states Oh man, like 2002, 2002 or 2003. It's okay. been a while. Oh, so was that like high school or middle school? Yeah, I, I, I just started middle school. I mean, uh, high school. So ninth grade when I when I arrived. Wow. Okay. Yes. I mean, how did that come about? Were you did you move with your family or? Did yeah, my you parents alone? were here first. My my mom and my dad with my little sister were here first for mm-hmm. two or three years. And then I and then I followed them. Okay. Yeah. Afterwards, and then I started high school here. Ugh, I don't want to remember that. That was not a fun time. Oh, I'm sorry. Got me going bad. Oh no, that's so sad. <laughs> but it happens. I mean, that's that's you know that's high school. Yeah, you made yeah. it through. You made it through. I did. <laughs> I sure did. What was? Wait, were you in? Cause you're in Texas now, right? Mm-hmm. When you came here at first, were you in Texas or were you somewhere else? No, we were we were in Detroit. Oh, okay. So I came straight into the cold. <laughs> Girl. Oh, man. I never got used to it. I don't think I ever, ever got used to being so cold all the time. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, thankfully, thankfully, we're in Texas now where it's a lot warmer right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't miss it um (laughs) when you um like uh i know you said it was like a hard time for you when you were in high school but like what was the transition like like as far as like what school was like for you in cameroon versus going to school here in the states well i've I've always been like a very awkward person child Mm -hmm. um but then I had it was like another layer of awkwardness when once I got here because I was the foreigner, mm-hmm. I had the accent, I didn't speak any English at all, so that was fun. Wow. And and I and when I came, I just went straight to school. Like I didn't take like separate English lessons and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just went to school and like I remember the first day into my math class, and my my math teacher was talking to me like explaining like where we are in class and like how I need to catch up, and I was just like looking at him like I shaking my head. Oh. Like I get what he's saying, but I you didn't understand at all. Saying, uh, so yeah, that was that was tough. Like the, the language barrier, the the cultural barrier, and there would be like weird things. Like in in our culture, in in school, whenever a teacher asks you a less, uh, a question, you have to stand up before you before you start answering the question. And I would do that in class here in the mm. U.S. People would just look at me weird and start laughing. <laughs> 
and I just didn't understand why. Um, and also, like, I got, I just got picked on a lot because I was such a nerd, mm-hmm. and I would be walking down the, the hallway with, like, reading a book and, like, my, my, my nose in books, and then people would just come and, like, hit the book for it to fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was it was weird, like, the whole transition of, like, just, you know, becoming a teenager mm-hmm. and also, like, you know, starting life in a new country. Yeah, I think, for personally, for me, middle school was the worst, but high school was, like, you're, like you said, you're you're really becoming a teenager. Yeah. You're ha- kind of having to, like, plan your future, which is a lot. And you're trying to uh, figure out what type of person you want to be. And mm-hmm. all just all this, and your body's changing, depending on when that started for you personally. Like, it's a lot going on Girl. in high school. Girl, it's a whole lot. <laughs> It's the whole and oh and then for me too that that was when I started uh, with like my eating disorder. It was high school. Oh no. So yeah, that was not yeah. High school was just it was just like a lot of stuff happening at once for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, everything was changing for me. And like I was I because I was trying to figure out who I was, I was just trying everything. And like so like definitely. Um, and you know what's funny? As I, I learned, I developed an eating disorder by because we had a class warning us about eating disorder. Oh, oh my goodness! I was like, that's how they get skinny. Oh wow. no! <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it's. <laughs> oh no! Oh. But yeah, so. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's rough. But you said you when you came you didn't know any English and you didn't take like ESL classes right away. So how did you eventually learn English? Was it just I think uh I'm really good with, with literature and languages okay. in general. So um and also I think that when you're young it's easier to learn new right. things. So that helped. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I was taking ESL, ESL classes as I was going to like regular classes as well. Oh, okay. So that helped and I picked it up I picked it up pretty quickly. Um so it wasn't it wasn't too difficult to okay. to learn. Yeah. Cuz your first language is is it French? Right? It's French, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot to do with all at the same time at that <laughs> age. Yeah. Struggle. But you made it. <laughs> sure, did. sure did. Finally. Man. Okay. And then you went on to MSU. Was that like your first choice or were you... Because some people are very much like, I have to go to the school. This is my life's dream. I have to go to the school. And some people are just like, well, I'll just go where I'm accepted and it's not, you know, as expensive or whatever. Like, what was your... what? How did you go about deciding to go to MSU that was actually um that's, that's actually another cultural thing in that it's very much a, an American maybe maybe a western thing mm-hmm. to be like this is the school that I've always wanted to go to or whatever like back home it's like you finish high school and like you go where your parents can afford mm-hmm. to, and also we have like three three or four universities so it's like whatever your parents can afford to send you to like that's where you're gonna go yeah. So it's very much an American thing where, like, I have this dream school that I really want to go to and all of that stuff. Um, but, f- yeah, for me, I was just like, what's the what's a good school that's also cheap 
that I relatively because yeah. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good school that's relatively cheap that I can that I that I can go to? Mm-hmm. And some sometimes though, part of me wishes that I had that like the cultural thing of like having a dream school or whatever that that I that I really wanted to go to. Maybe that would have been different for me, but I was too busy in high school just trying to adjust mm-hmm. to like you know being in a new country and all of that. That I really just I tried to find what was what was affordable and what was also good, so I got accepted to U of M, uh, Western whatever the what's the one in Ypsilanti I forget what's that one. Ypsilanti that, what that one. is Eastern. Yeah, Eastern, and then also MSU, mm-hmm. and then uh, so yeah, I chose MSU. I don't really know why. I also know that I hated. You have them. I think that's a thing, right? That's a thing that people yeah. are like, you have them is snobs. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And I was like, I'm not a snob, so like, I'm going to. <laughs> so I just chose them as you. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if you, did you ever, I don't think, I don't think I ever knew like what you were studying while you were there. I knew you were active in like human rights stuff. Or like yeah. body image, like social issues, because I think that's how I met mm-hmm. you at like an event for Amnesty or something like that. Yeah. But I don't think I ever knew what you studied while you were at MSU. I, I studied uh, biochemistry and molecular biology because I wanted to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another that was another identity crisis because yeah. You know, as an African, you get to be engineer, lawyer, or a doctor, and I didn't want none of those, and so I was like, who am I now that I'm going to be a failure to my parents? Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I ended up studying biochemistry, but then I, once I figured out that I, the only reason why I wanted to be a doctor, I even, I remember even writing this in my personal statement, and that is that I wanted to be the kind of doctor who stops people from coming to the hospital? Oh, I want yes. to figure out why are people getting so sick. How do we how do we get them to be healthier? I didn't really have the language for it, but I just knew that I didn't want people to come to the hospital. That's the kind of doctor that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And then I I took an epidemiology class, and it blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, this is the thing that I said that I wanted to do. So because epidemiology and public health basically, mm-hmm. you know, deals with like health prevention and things like that. And I was like, that's the thing that I want to do. So I, I added um, social science and bioethics to my to my degree. Mm-hmm. And then I went to get a master's in public health afterwards. So, wow. yeah. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> that's so impressive. Because, <laughs> no, in my mind, I was like, what a mess was I? Look at that. Yeah. Just, not, just kind of figuring it out as I went. Yeah. Was your master's at MSU as well? Yep, it sure was. Okay. All right. Wow. So you were there for for quite a few years. Yeah, I was there from 2005 to... Is it 2005? God, I don't remember. No, 2007, because I went to community college first, actually. Mm -hmm. So I I was into from 2007 to 2012. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned it was uh, kind of like an American or a Western thing to have, like like a dream school, so to speak. Um, can you think of, like, any any other ways that you notice that university life or even, like, university structure was different from how it is in Cameroon? 
Actually, I okay. The, the only the only things that I'm gonna be able to tell you is like things that I've echoes that I've that I've oh, heard. Oh, that's right. Because like, you were doing you were young. There. Yeah. But what I, what I know, like one thing that's very distinct is how small the classes are in the U.S. And I know that sounds crazy because I know we have classes that are like there's like 200 people in there. Mm-hmm. But back home, the classes are like huge like conference style like rooms where you can like have like a thousand people wow and yeah and it's always always overcrowded mm-hmm. always overcrowded and like you have to like if classes are like seven some people have to wake up at like five to come and reserve their space and it's just it's very crowded and um it's really tough to be able to really to get all the things that you want to get because the resources are small mm-hmm. are, are, are scarce uh, sometimes, um, sometimes you don't you don't always you're not you're not always able to 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 get to study the majors that you want to study mm-hmm. because none, there's not necessarily a, a wide variety of, of things you're able to study. Uh, if you're doing things that require like practical stuff like you know chemistry or like engineering and you need like uh, lab classes or whatever, mm-hmm. there there isn't always a lot of material available so it's kind of it's a lot tougher to go to school to go to a university back well in my country because i don't know how it is everywhere else mm-hmm. but like it's a lot tougher like if you if you're able to to get through that that's like a rite of passage that you know it really just shapes who you are because it's so so tough wow. to to do it yeah okay but yeah that's really interesting yeah um did you have a, a did you have a better time in college than you did in high school? Uh, do you feel like that was not as hard uh, for you or not oh as yeah. hard on you yeah. as it was definitely, before? Definitely, it was a lot. It was a lot um, better for me in college. Even I still had you know another identity crisis when I was in college because yeah. I was like I'm not gonna be a doctor. My mom is gonna disown me. <laughs> <laughs> So what am I gonna do now? Uh-huh. I'm I'm nothing. Uh, so that was like a really tough time for me. But other than that, just being able to to get to know people from different countries, um, being able to like watch like my activism grow, and having the opportunity to do the things that I wanted to do, like organize all the fundraisers that I wanted to do, or like the the discussions on on human rights. Mm-hmm. Like how you know organizing the first ever TEDx event at MSU, uh, that you know I oh, really yeah. got good stuff. I so. forgot that you did, you did do that. I remember because yeah. <laughs> they brought they did it again. I think it was my senior year. And yeah, with Irene, right? Yeah, with Irene. I don't think yeah. people knew that it had been done before. because it, it felt like people were thinking of it as like this like like brand new thing that's never been done at MSU before. And granted, I don't know how the organizing went. It was yeah. like it might have been maybe like a slightly larger scale, but it's, well, it's still TEDx, you know. So, yeah. and I feel like a lot of people didn't know that you had already like started that a few years before, you know. Classical black woman erasure. Girl, sorry. <laughs> yeah, stop. not to say. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't like 
on purpose on Irene's no, I part. So. I just feel like a lot of people just didn't pay attention when you did it the yeah. first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I don't think it was malicious at all. And when, when the one that the one that Irene did that was like massive and mm-hmm. just so super cool. So yeah, I was I was definitely impressed when I saw it. But yeah. Yeah. And you danced too, didn't you? I, yes, I did. I was part of like the African Student Union, and I, I, that. Yeah. I was like the head choreographer and stuff. And girl, I had a good time in college. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me remember all the good times. I'm That'd just, be... I mean, I'm just suddenly remembering all these things listening to you yeah. talk. It's like, yeah, you did a lot. <laughs> I really tried. I wanted to. I wanted to experience as much as possible. I was. Because I wanted to condense as much as I could in in the time that I was there, so mm-hmm. anything that interested me, I I really did my best to to try and like experience it mm-hmm. as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you you said you were afraid uh, you were having an identity crisis about not wanting to be a doctor anymore, and you thought your mm-hmm. parents would disown you. I mean, they didn't disown you, right? I mean, like what what was their response? For, for like a bit. For like a bit, my mom and I oh. we, we fought. It was it was uh, it was a huge huge disappointment disappointment for her mm-hmm. to to hear that I didn't want to become a doctor anymore. And I I'm I was so determined to make my mom particularly proud that it broke my heart to see how disappointed she was in me. So that was a really difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was it was like a it was like a nudge that I couldn't ignore. I yeah. was like, being a doctor is not is not the thing. It's not it. I couldn't explain why, but I was like, that's not the thing that I'm looking for. Um, I don't want to wait for people to, to have a problem. I want to figure out how to avoid the problem. Mm-hmm. And being a doctor uh, just was not it for me. And I just couldn't... I, it's, like I, it's almost like I couldn't help myself to let go of becoming a doctor. It just wasn't it. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, eventually, eventually years, 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 years later, she started to, to, to get, you know, better with it. But she every time someone graduates, she's like, you know, you know, so-and-so's daughter just graduated and she's, she's going to med school, right? This other person is not a surgeon. This other person is like, I, like I, she will always, it's like, it was her way to, like, try and nudge me back into becoming mm-hmm. a doctor. But I was like, Mom, I'm sorry. This is, it's not going to happen. She's going to have to accept it. <laughs> Warn it and let it go. <laughs> but, yeah, but it was it was tough for her. It was tough for her. Yeah, yeah that's hard disappointing people who, who are close to you and whose opinion you value, you know? Mm-hmm. You might mm-hmm. have a lot of family members, like, close family members or close friends, but there's certain people who, like, how they think about you really matters, you know, and you don't want yeah. to hurt them or disappoint them. So I can only imagine how hard that was for you. Yeah, it was really rough. Yeah. I think, I think it's tough for, particularly for immigrant children, because you feel like your parents made such a huge sacrifice, right. leaving everything to come to a different country, and you want to make the sacrifice feel worth it. And I think that's where that's where the, the difficulty is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also can't ignore... The, the, the voice that tells you that you're, you're meant for something else, I guess. Yeah. At least for me, that was the case. I just couldn't ignore it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so things are, are better between you two now? Um, if you don't want yeah. to get into it, it's okay. I was no, just no, wondering. I don't mind. Things are better 
because I started to let go of the need to carry her her soul for her. Mm-hmm. My mom, I don't know how I don't know how to explain. It. It's like my mom. You know how people talk about generational hurt, yeah, and generational curses or whatever. It's not necessarily curses, but just generational trauma and and pain. And people and people have told me this multiple times, but I I feel like I I carry a lot of the pain of the women in my family, mm-hmm. and I not only do I carry, I want so badly to process it for them. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and and that made me feel wary too early, and so part of the the way that our relationship got better was when I was like, I don't have to carry this for you. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give this back to you, and I'm gonna trust that you can you can figure out how to do it. But I it's, this is it's weighing too heavy on me. So I think our relationship actually got better. But not when I was like, yeah, I know you're worried, mom. I know you want me so badly to to become this person. But um, that's your thing to figure out. Um, I just can't carry that for you anymore. And now it should got way better after that. Yeah. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I'm sure it was really hard, but, you know, something good came out of it. And, you know, it's, um, it's you were able to be, like, more honest and more true with yourself in the process, you know. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Took a lot of years. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes things like that do take time. It sure you know? does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mentioning the whole uh, the child of immigrants thing had me thinking about. Um, well, were you okay? Were you technically an international student when you went to MSU? No, no, no. Okay. My parents came here. They were already right. Re- by the time I arrived, my parents were already residents. Okay, so, gotcha. Because I was a minor, automatically I get their status, gotcha. the same status. Okay. So, yeah, I was international. So, you weren't international. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, then, because I was wondering, like, um, and, and granted, I feel like you would know more about this than I do, but um, of the people I've heard who've, like, gone from from African countries to, say, the States for, mm-hmm. like, specifically for university... A lot of them will like take what they've learned, their training, their experience, and go back. Um, I don't know if you ever felt an urge to go back to Cameroon, or if that was even sure possible did. for you at all. Yeah, that's that's definitely why you know I even went into into public health because I really wanted to figure out how to be useful mm-hmm. uh, once I once I go home. Um, yeah, just, that was definitely on my mind to 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 go back. Yeah. To, to any African country, really, I was like, it wasn't specific for me. I, it, didn't, it didn't have to be my country, but I really just wanted to to go back and and, and figure out how to help or whatever. Okay. Um, but but yeah, but then I de- I developed my own kind of Western savior complex mm. that I was my people's messiah or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that that was a that was a difficult lesson to learn. Yeah. But but you know. In my, my my best intentions were were to be as useful as possible mm-hmm. to to my people. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that self awareness is is really valuable, you know. Um, and I I I I'd ask that because I didn't know if that's something that people are expected to do when they come. Granted, like you you your case was a little different because you didn't come here just to go to university, but. Mm-hmm. I, like I wonder, is that something that people are expected to do, where they come to the states and are expected to go back home, or 
It yeah. sounds like for you, it was more something that that was like your own desire that you were thinking of wanting yeah. to go back. Yeah, definitely. For internet, a lot of international students come here, and they do. They, they really are uh, expected to to go back home after they, you know, they done all their studies and mm-hmm. kind of be able to to make to put their, their skills to use mm-hmm. once they yeah once they go back home. But yeah, for me, for me, it was different because I, I was a resident already of the U.S. Yeah. So the pressure, the pressure was was different. Right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like a guilt thing, like. No. Not coming back home and helping, you know, your folks back in Cameroon or anything like that. No, it was just an innate thing that like was like a little a little calling, I guess. Okay. Yeah, for me. Okay. For sure. And um, this doesn't really have to do with like studies or anything, but I remember you writing a couple times about like, um. And if it's too personal, that's okay. You know, we don't have to talk about it. But you mentioned your your grandmother and how you were really close, but you had like a hard time communicating as you got older because yeah. you spoke French. Your grandma spoke um, different language. Yeah. yeah, a different language, and that was something that you kind of had to deal with because you didn't want to be too hard on yourself about it. But because it's so, a lot of it was like stuff you couldn't control. Um, mm-hmm. I guess where am I trying to go with this? Um, I don't know if like living here in the states played a role in that at, at all in terms of you trying to figure out like where you fit as someone who's from Cameroon or even like within your own like family back home. Yeah, if that definitely. shaped anything as far as how you identified or how you tried to connect with your your Cameroonian roots, you know. Yeah, that was um, that was an, a, a huge a huge difficulty for me because when I was here in the states, it was it was very clear mm-hmm. to me that I am not American. It's very very clear that I'm not from here. My accent gives it away. People remind me that I that I'm not from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then and then so in my mind, I'm thinking like I am this. I am all the way African, so it's all good anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I go back home, and I am distinctly different from people there mm-hmm. as well. So I'm just kind of like in the cultural limbo. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm just like this in-between person, and I'm neither here nor there. Um, and for a while, that was really, really tough for me because I really thought that I was supposed to to um, <clears throat> to fit in in one place, and it just it was just it was just never working out. Yeah. But. Um, as time went by, I just came to embrace it and just said, "This, this is. I am just an in-between person, and that it doesn't have it doesn't necessarily have to be a problem to fix. It's just what it is." Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Um. I I can't pretend to know what that's like, but um. Yeah, it, I feel like that's probably the best conclusion you can come to is just making the best of. You know how it is you you are now how you've come to be because it's not like you had an influence on like where you lived or anything not to say your parents bringing you over here was a bad thing it's just like no, there's things out of your control that influence who you are and that's yeah. you know not something to feel but there's definitely still a lot of, of, of resentment in in there not towards my parents but just just the circumstances of it all mm-hmm. because disconnect disconnect from my from my culture began even before i i i um uh, came to the US mm-hmm. like um, 
the moment that you start going to school back home, you uh, have to you have to you, a school. Uh, the official language in our country is actually English and French, but our, our country is divided into into like there's a part that's an anglophone part what that speaks English okay. and another part is French, and yeah. So basically, you go to school and th- I went to school in the, on on the French side, so everything is in French. And the problem is that it's not only in French, but also there's a superiority to speaking French. Mm. So, if you're someone who still speak who still speaks your, your your native language, you're kind of looked down upon. Like you're less educated than people. Mm. So than, than other people. So that disconnect happened before I even got on the plane. Mm. Um, and so I was like, I was kind of like a, a really like I said, I was really nerdy. So I was like really smart. And uh, uh, a measure of my intelligence was how well I could speak French, mm-hmm. and that meant. And the more French I was learning, the more I was letting go of my of my native language. And at the time, I thought, you know, I was just doing awesome. I was like, look at me, how great I can speak French or whatever. Yeah. But I, I I wasn't realizing the the generational divide that was occurring. Yeah. Um. I mean, I. I, parts of me did get it because I, I used to be terrified of like the fact that eventually I wouldn't be able to talk to my grandmother because she was so dear to me mm-hmm. and you know the the more time I spent school and the the more difficult it was for us for her and I to to communicate so oh, so yeah. yeah it was that the resentment is, is still there um, all the time I don't think I don't think I'll, I'll ever let go of that yeah but and so yeah, and so and then moving to the states and not being able to see her for like a whole ten years, I think before I went back to to my country. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only was it the language divide, but also the relationship divide because when I went back, I was a woman by the time I got there. I was twenty something mm-hmm. by the time I, I went back to to my country, and I don't know, it was just weird. It was just it was just really weird. Yeah. So. But yeah, I really talk about my grandmother a lot because she's based, she's like the embodiment of all the, the identity crisis that I had and how it changed me, for the better or worse, mm-hmm. mostly. But yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. I was just listening to you talk and then like, man, it's just like, colonialism is so wretched. Like, I was, I had, I had Haiti on my mind this week because you know January first is their Independence Day, and then mm-hmm. I had I've had Ghana on my mind this week because they're I guess this is like their tourism campaign where they're trying to welcome people of African descent back to yeah, Ghana it was because hmm? it was Chella yeah, in, in but even mm-hmm. like the government is like saying like you know especially for Black Americans come to Ghana because it's been like four hundred years this year makes four hundred years that the first uh, like enslaved peoples from Africa were brought to this to yeah and mm-hmm. so it's like you know it's been 400 years and you know you you can't you know you've been disconnected from your roots and ghana was like a big place if not the biggest place that people were shipped off from so it's like mm-hmm. come back to ghana like let ghana be the way that you find your way back home and so i just had all that on my mind this week <laughs> and then yeah. listening to you talk Bro. about like losing like the better like like learning French that was like excelling in academia and I guess guaranteeing your success success in a way but that that kind of like in order to be successful quote unquote it, it like required you to distance yourself from 
your native language and it's just like Mm -hmm. that's so wretched to me (laughs) like that's that's how i'm resentful like (laughs) i just i just wake up mad as hell i'm bitter i'm i swear to god i am so bitter about it like i'm i'm mad i'm just i'm i'm enraged i'm just like why why because it wasn't just the language like disconnecting yourself from the language is also from the culture from thinking yourself as better than your people Mm -hmm. and like everything about your culture becomes this like inferior just primitive thing that you want nothing to do with Mm -hmm. and by the time you realize the the absurdity of it it's almost too late yeah like i'm just so resentful about it like all the time all the time yeah yeah it's like a knot in my throat that i carry with me constantly i forget it's there sometimes but like i'm forever resentful forever yeah, I mean, no. and you have every right to that to that resentment, you know, because that's like, like you said, you don't you you didn't really have a chance to realize what you were losing. And by the time you were old enough and conscious enough to realize it, it's like the damage has been done. Not to say mm-hmm. that you're forever. I mean, not to say you're forever disconnected, but you know, there is something lost in the process that so much lost can't really so get back. You know? Yeah, Man. I mean, like I remember. Because I, I, I'm, I'm such a fan of the documentaries and, like, how people kind of go to different countries and they always have this translator um, mm-hmm. who, like, they have to talk through, like, to be able to communicate with, communicate with the people. And I went back home and I had to do that with my grandmother. I had to tell, be like, can you please tell her wow. that I love her? Can you please tell her that this thing? And I, there's just so much I wanted to tell her about, like, who, the kind of person that I had become, mm-hmm. how much of it was because of her like like what I had learned, who I was, and like I just wanted to tell her all the things, and I couldn't. Yeah. I so I would I would just kept telling this person like tell her that I love her, that I missed her, and all these things. We didn't we didn't really have uh, actual in depth conversations because it's you can't really have that when you, when you have to have a translator right. between you two, and yeah. So it was just yeah. I, I'm just hella resentful about mm-hmm. it. Like time, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I didn't mean to bring down the mood of the conversation. No, I just was like, no, it's fine. I mean, that's that's like real. That's real stuff. That's like real pain and real loss that you're talking Absolutely. about. You know. Um, no, I'm glad to say it out. Like, I need people to know. I'm mad as hell. <laughs> I mean, people. I'm mad as hell. Right. People need to know these things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Uh. Okay, so there was something that you... Oh, yes, so in in college, and just to be, just so I'm clear, you didn't, like, do a traditional, like, study abroad while you were at MSU, did you? Did you, like... Uh, well, kind of, because uh, once I, I did my master's, I, I had to do my thesis, mm-hmm. and my thesis was in water and sanitation, so I ended up going to Ghana, actually, oh, to... Yeah. Okay, see, so I didn't know that. I'm glad I asked, because I did not know that. <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely did. I went to, to Ghana for like a month and a half. Okay, studying water yeah. and sanitation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what was that like? Had you been to Ghana before? No, that was that was actually the first time I went back to Africa after I had left the first time around. Oh, okay. So okay. I didn't. So the first time I went back to Africa was not back to my country. Mm-hmm. It was to Ghana. So yeah, that that was when the the realization that I'm not as African as I thought kind of hit mm-hmm. me. Cause I it was I was distinctly different from other people and I was like oh no I thought I was African as hell but I'm really not but <laughs> and that 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 was also when I had that savior complex like look at me I studied all these things I'm coming to save you people 
get ready <laughs> and yeah so it really it really humbled me it humbled me because I went there thinking that me and my knowledge are going to change the lives of these people in that one month that I'm going to be there like your, your whole life is going to change because I'm there and it really wasn't like that and so it really humbled me in learning um, that you cannot be people's messiahs you have to you have to be you have to walk with people. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't lead them, yeah. especially when you're from from somewhere else. It doesn't matter. Like I used to, because whenever we talk about the savior complex, it's mostly like white people who who go back to who go to like all these different um, global south countries yeah. to try and save them. But I think we don't discuss enough about the diaspora savior complex, like us of the of those countries who go back after after studies and thinking that we're gonna you know, transform these people's lives. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the, the being in Ghana really, really, really humbled me and reminded me that I need, I just need to check my ego yeah. like big, big time. Was it like so a like, particular experience that brought you to that realization or did someone have to like put you in your <clears> place <throat> or something? Like how did you? Mm, I think, I think it was, it was, uh, I remember the, 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 like one of the first few nights mm-hmm. we were there uh, our teacher who was with us, her name is Linda. I, I just love that woman so much. She she was like, I'm going to talk to you guys, and I want you guys, the one thing that I want you to remember is that you are not going to save these people. Mm. And when she said that, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I came here for. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to save these people? Like, I came here on this one-month thing, like, because I'm going to change these people's lives. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, I was genuinely upset with her. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you tell me that I'm not going to change people's lives? And then we started to do research. And part of the research was that we had to interview people. We had to do focus groups. Yeah. And focus groups basically is like you sit down and you talk to people about their experiences related to your, your research topic. So we talked about, like, the reason why people don't have access to water, um, the the gender dynamics of of uh, looking of getting water like who goes goes to fetch the water and who doesn't and how that affects like for example girls versus boys who who go to school the the relationship between men and women husband and wife and just a bunch of stuff and being able to sit there and I I, I had come he, come there already with preconceived notions of what was happening mm-hmm. because I I read all the research I read all the books about water and sanitation and gender dynamics in, in Africa so I thought I knew better than these people and through the focus groups I started to learn about the real life experiences of people and I was like oh my god I know nothing I know absolutely nothing there's no amount of reading that you can ever do that can replace you got that can replace lived experiences and that's the thing that humbled me. I was like, okay, I need, to, I need to fall back a little bit. So yeah, so it was, it was just over the course of that one month of like having the little, like aha moments, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of, oh wow, you, you don't know anything. So like, I need you to relax, baby girl. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, how many people was it in your group? Like when you went? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say like. Maybe like ten to fifteen people, I okay. think. Okay, and y'all are all grad students or mm-hmm. like professors or whatnot. Yeah, it was mostly it was mostly grad students, um, and like a few actually a few undergrad students actually who who that was their uh, study abroad. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So it was a, it was a good time, but also very very enlightening for me. Yeah. 
For sure. Did you, I mean, I don't know what the makeup was of your group, and you said you kind of had to reckon with your own, uh, like, <laughs> like diaspora, uh, diaspora yeah. saver, save, savior complex. complex. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see any type of like white savior or observe any type of white savior complexes amongst um, the other students who were there? Yeah, that, I mean that's that was all of us. All of yeah, us yeah. were. Yeah, definitely. We were we, first of all, we were young, and we also we had that little ego of thinking that we were gonna come and save people right. we even had but while we were there we even had ideas of like trying to figure out how we can we can help people like gain access to water and stuff like that we mm-hmm. thought we we're gonna have this huge campaign to like raise money and all of that and once we were there it was it was yeah it was definitely all of us because there were there were like a few white people mm-hmm. there were like a few uh hispanic like one or two and there were a total of for black people like myself included mm-hmm. and like yeah everybody had their own like little identity crisis once once they were there like a little awakening to like their place in this whole thing and like uh, and how it, it would shift uh as time went by yeah. and there was actually this one guy who was like this light-skinned bl- black guy who also had a bit of an identity crisis as well because in the u.s he's a black man like i'm just a black person mm-hmm. but uh, in Ghana, he was considered like a white person because he was so light skinned. Oh wow! And yeah, and he felt he felt horrible about it. He was like, I thought I was gonna come here and people would be like, Oh my god, welcome, brother, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like people were treating him like a like a white person. It wasn't like mistreatment, mm-hmm. but he he thought he was gonna kind of find a sense of home because obviously being black in America is is his own you know trauma right. and all his own thing. But then he went there and he was considered a white person and he just didn't know what to do with that. Mm. That was a huge struggle for him. But yeah, all of us had like a little little awakening moments. Yeah. Um, being in that program, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and you said that was your first time going to Ghana. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you can only like speak in generalized terms, at least for the sake of this conversation. But like, yeah. how was Ghana like similar or different to like Cameroon Ghana was first of all it was like way way more ahead of of like my country mm-hmm. my country I'm gonna get a flag for this <laughs> no but like honestly Ghana in terms of like um technology and like just you know economic empowerment they they're like way ahead of, of like my country Cameroon mm-hmm. so um yeah, it was it was like much much better the transportation, the infrastructure as far like roads and stuff like that. They it was it was much 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 better access to internet. Uh, um, it was back then. I mean, I'm sure things are things are also different. I was like 2012, mm-hmm. but like back then they were like way ahead of of, of us Cameroonians uh, as far as access to technology. Uh, electricity and all of that um, the quality of the roads that's something that we always compare when we talk about African countries is quality of the roads and their their roads are like way better than um, than ours in Cameroon mm. um, so yeah it was definitely different I, it was so different in fact that uh, because I had the, like I said Ghana was the first country I went back to once I when I returned to Africa right. so like after Ghana like a few months later I went to Cameroon and I was like, um, what's going on? It's like, 
I thought I thought I was gonna get like a similar experience to Ghana, but like Cameroon, Cameroon was like not as great, like not not as. Um, I mean, of course, it was great because that's my country, that's my people. Right. It was good to see my family, all that. But as far as like infrastructure, it was it was definitely different. Mm-hmm. It was definitely different. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked about that because I don't think I knew that you had done that, and so. Uh... Yeah, I'm glad I thought to ask that because I totally would have skipped by that and not mentioned it at all because I didn't know. Girl. Oh, man. Okay. So that was, yeah. And that was nice you kind of got to, because that was, that was, you said within the same year you went to Ghana and then you came back to the States and then you went to Cameroon. So, yeah. yeah. Especially since you hadn't been back to Africa in so long, you know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it's huge. Yeah. I do have a question about your um you you're very passionate about like uh oh goodness, self-compassion, body positivity, mm-hmm. that type of thing, body like image. Mm-hmm. Um I'm wondering like when that started? Was that like in college when you were like cuz uh I guess during that time you were developing the, a t- type of like public health sensibilities in terms of like helping yeah. people and stuff. I don't know if that's yeah. when it started for you getting into the whole like body image thing. Like what, where did that come from? And uh, that, um, actually I think, I think body positivity, all of that, that, that came much later. I, I've, well, I've always been fascinated with the way that women are treated in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and also I had you know my own my own eternal struggle with body image yeah. with like the eating disorder that I had and stuff like that. Um, but I think actually the thing the thing that really triggered the body positivity positivity thing was a, my a journey of like self love after like this major breakup that I went through. And um, it's actually funny because I went on this self love self love journey because I wanted to stop feeling. Hmm. Because the, the breakup wrecked me so much that I, I looked at, I looked at, I guess, uh, self discovery or like the whole self love journey as a way to numb. I was like, if I can figure out like what's wrong with me, I could, I'll be able to just not feel anything anymore. Hmm. And um, and yeah, so I I, I kind of just went on this journey and it just. I guess naturally just unfolded into this thing about body image and how it affects um, I guess our lives and yeah it was just like a natural thing I don't think I actively looked for it I think it just it just came to me again like a little nudge like just pointing me in that direction like this is the this is the where your attention needs to be right now yeah. Um, but yeah it was definitely a breakup that kind of like pushed me in that direction and then uh, it just naturally unfolded like that mm-hmm. Um, so then, like, what, I guess, because a lot of people, uh, go through, I guess, transitions like those, but not all of them start websites or, like, get speaking (laughs) engagements or, like, you know, like, how did, (laughs) how did, how did your personal journey (laughs) lead to you doing, or, like, the, um, you know, the whole letters thing that you, you were doing in that website and, like, you speaking, like, how did... What made you want to make uh, make that? I don't know if that was like a career thing you were heading towards, or just wanting to 
do projects on uh, focused on that theme but like what pushed you to want to be so active in that area yeah, well, and that for for that the the part of like having the website, the blog, and all of that stuff that was like that was just uh, it just made sense to me because I had already been doing that even when I was in college and I was doing like the <clears throat> like the the fundraisers when I was talking about like fistula with with like women in 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 Ethiopia or just talking about like invisible children. I don't want to remember that dark time of activism, but we <laughs> we were like. <laughs> We were learning about like invisible children and like even the TEDx thing. I've always been the the person who, like, I just want to be the fixer. I was like, there's this thing over there that's wrong, and I want to be part of like the solution. So it, there was never a question for me. Like once I I, I started um, getting becoming more interested in in body positivity, getting a, a blog was just like that's the thing that just. But I was like, what's the best the best way for me to 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 be part of the solution and blogging just made sense at the moment and so I did it. Yeah. yeah. It just that was I just I just needed as much as possible to be uh part of the solution. I you know, I didn't always do it right, but I yeah, every time I learn about something new and like a new way to resolve a problem, I just want to put it out in the world like guys, just look at this thing that I learned and I hope it's going to be helpful to you yeah. and yeah. yeah. I think what I admire about you is like you your voice online is always like very consistent like with the blog i don't know if you're still doing your your blog anymore but like on even on facebook or um sometimes i'll catch like glimpses of of like your twitter your tweets um or i think there was even like a couple medium like pieces you wrote on medium yeah like it so Mm -hmm. like in all these different uh formats and all these different platforms it's like very consistent in terms of like i don't know like like you know like always encouraging people to be softer with themselves or like interrogate why they feel a certain way about themselves or why they why they uh have certain habits when it comes to interacting with certain people in their lives like it's always like you know very inquisitive but also gentle, but also really, like, raw and honest. Like, I don't know. It's very, I don't know. It's always, it like, whenever I read something from you, or on Instagram, too, like, it, it very much sounds like you. It's very consistent. And I've always appreciated that about your work and your, like, your whole online presence and whatnot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> This is just making my day, you don't understand. <laughs> I swear, because I do wonder sometimes. I'm like, am I talking too much or am I being too vulnerable yeah. in this thing? Like, the people, I, I feel like sometimes like, people are like, okay, girl, just dial it back a little bit. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but also, I can't help it. I was like, this is, I, I, in everything that I do, like, I always say, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I'm writing, whatever I'm feeling that day, I just say that I'm going to tell the truth and and I hope that it, it resonates with people. So when you're telling me that, honestly, it's it's validation. It's like I feel I feel seen like that's really what I want to do. I just I really I so badly, so very badly want to be useful to people. Yeah. Um, so that makes me very happy. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I didn't mean to ramble on like that, but uh, I, yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. 
<laughs> and um oh, okay yeah so the last thing i wanted to talk to you about was um senegal you spent was it two months three months a month there i'm actually going back in like two oh, weeks oh wonderful again. it was only a month I feel like it was longer than that. Yeah, it was just a month. Okay, so you, right? you spent a month in Senegal during the fall, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I know you said something about you going there to work underneath your your business I'm mentor. Yeah, can mm-hmm. you speak more about that? So, um, I just met this, I remember meeting this this woman, her name is Magat Wad, and she... She's a Senegalese woman who is just such a brilliant, brilliant mm-hmm. person, and her 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 sense her purpose basically is to just make things make lives better for Africans mm-hmm. and figuring out like uh, the, what is the re- is the reason why countries are poor and how do we uh, make it better. And so she she's actually a businesswoman, so she has multiple uh, ventures that are all based in Senegal mm-hmm. right now. And essentially, I, I went to Senegal to figure out, for example, just what she does more on the ground, how her, her business works, and how I can be useful to her. So she has like a lip balm company, a skincare company. She has a, a school there as well. And she has a new venture um, that she she's currently working on to help um, women there. I can't you know say much about it until she you know she actually right. creates the the company publicly. But um, so basically, I went to Senegal to to get to know all of these things and how they function, and figuring out what my role is in like how how I fit in in um, in the whole thing and how I can be useful. Mm. So I went to Senegal. I was there for a month, and it was it was hot. It was hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, every time people ask me like how was Senegal I'm like girl it was hot <laughs> <laughs> it was really hot but also it was very just so cool to to be there and see like all the work that she does when she, when she's there and like how dedicated she is to to her people and how incredibly grounded as well she doesn't have that savior complex that I that I had like she's very much grounded in what the people need and how she can be useful to them and that's really what I learned what I, while I was there and and so while I was there I also helped with the, with the school that she that she's kind of currently building right now um, and she what I really loved about the school that she's building is that something that's distinct about school in, in African countries is that there's a there's a strong strong sense of hierarchy in that the, the teacher is the authority and the student is like the person who just receives the information yeah. and her school aims to turn that upside down and she wants to kind of dismantle that whole hierarchy thing and she's creating a, a dynamic where it's actually a mutual a mutual learning it's like a mutual learning and in that um, students are very much respected as like whole people and I'm, I'm talking like young kids who are like as young as like seven and they're, they're given a sense of like of, of autonomy of ownership of self and um, the, the learning is, is is really like a it's like a mutual learning in that we have like peer-to-peer learning like if this one student knows this thing better like how can he be used to teach the other student so that the student can learn um, and it's just like the whole thing is just so like marvelous to me because she basically wants these people to grow up to be people who are not afraid to challenge the status mm-hmm. quo and not be afraid to challenge authority 
that's why she's so adamant about breaking down the whole hierarchy yeah. thing. And, and so, yeah, and that was, it was just really cool to be there. And, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was hot as hell. <laughs> mosquitoes, <laughs> mosquitoes were just disrespectful. And, but, uh, but yeah, I had a, I had a good time and now I'm going back for three months this wow, time. Wow. Three months doing the same type of work with, with her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It should be, it should be interesting. Yeah. I remember seeing, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing your photos. I saw a video of you. I think you were teaching some of the kids. You were trying to teach yoga to to the kids. Yeah. That was really sweet. Yeah, it looks like you were really having a good time. Yeah, I really was. I really, I just, I again, I just felt mm-hmm. useful. That's the thing that I, that I seek as, as as much as possible. I, I felt, I felt very useful, and and um, I think I really love. Uh, working with the kids because I'm, I, I think I'm trying to redeem myself mm-hmm. as well because I'm remembering um, what happened when I when I was disconnected from, from my yeah. culture, um, and I'm remembering the relationship with my grandmother and how language uh, created such a, a huge problem mm-hmm. for me. And even though while I'm there, part of the things that we teach the, the student is we teach them French, we teach them English mm-hmm. as well. And uh, the, the 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 major the biggest language in, in Senegal is Wolof, so I'm I'm so hyper conscious of like not not breaking that relationship with their, their native language, yeah. and um and so I I, I do my very best uh, to show them that there isn't any superiority between cultures or languages. So as they're learning French and English, they're not you know better than. Uh, people who only speak Wolof or whatever. I'm so hyper conscious of that because I'm I'm like I, I don't want you to experience what I experienced yeah. the disconnect. So and and thankfully, thankfully, my mentor also she's very very much adamant about uh, the respect of cultures mm-hmm. and preservation of culture as well. So I just I'm just blessed to be with someone who, whose vision is aligned with mine mm-hmm. as well. So we work hard to like expose this the kids to like all these various things but also maintain that their own culture isn't any inferior to other things so that's good yeah it sounds like there's a lot of like transformative things you're trying to do especially with the school as far as that's concerned you know yeah Yeah. that's so cool and i'm sorry if you mentioned this before but like was it like did you like seek her out as far as like i want to work with you i want to learn from you or was it a did you happen to hear that she was looking for, like, assistance in some way, and so you like contacted her? Like, wh- I, I, guess I'm wondering who initiated um, the, okay. the relationship to where you ended up actually going to Senegal and working with her. Okay, I'm, I'm so glad you answered this, this asked this question because I really hope this is going to be useful to people looking for mm-hmm. mentors. Um, I I don't remember where I, I heard this from. I think it was I don't know if you've ever heard of My Leak. She's just this woman. She's this woman, this black woman who's like really like into like black entrepreneurship. And one of her episodes that she talked about was when you're seeking a mentorship, you need to you don't you don't seek a relationship where you're gonna be taking from the person. You figure out how you can be useful to that to that yeah. person, which feels like kind of intuitive because you're like I want a mentor because I want somebody to like do stuff for me or give me some certain mm-hmm. things you never think that you can be useful to a mentor but when she said that in, in one of her podcasts i was like oh wow that actually makes a lot of sense so when i met 
I had a, when I heard about about my God, I saw a TED talk of hers where she talked about uh, transforming African cultures and African culture and leveraging it to kind of help um, with our economic empowerment. And I was just so impressed with her. I sent her a message and I added her on Facebook and I just told her like, look, I just I admire you so much and I think you're a brilliant woman and I would love to be able to meet you someday. And I had just moved to Austin. Luckily, she she lived in California at the mm-hmm. time, and for some reason, I don't know what happened, she decided to move to Austin as well. And I was like, what? <laughs> I can't believe this woman is like moving to Austin. So I was like, oh my God, I hope to meet you one day. I commented on her status when she said she was moving mm-hmm. to Austin. I was like, I can't believe you're moving here. I can't wait to see you. I will be very excited or whatever. She never mm-hmm. responded because, you know, who, is, who am I? Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> But, um, and then I just, I, nothing ever happened. And then one day I had a meeting downtown with my sister and like a few other people. We were supposed to meet at a restaurant. We get to the restaurant and the restaurant is full. So we have to, we have to go somewhere else. So we go to a different restaurant and we're about to order. And I just turn around and in the corner sitting with her husband is my, is the, my now mentor. No way. And I look at her, I was like, oh my God, that's her wow. over there. And I just run to here you are and I'm such a big fan of yours and I just love you so much and I think you're amazing and you know I'm extra as hell I'm like I just, I just love you so much and, just, and she's just looking at me like girl you need to relax a little bit but she was so so sweet and I wanted to take a picture with her and we took a picture together and she held me like we were old friends I was like girl you, you what like I can't believe it <laughs> and um, and then she gave me her card and she said we can meet one day and so we had a meeting her and I like a few days later and my dumbass is like I love you can you be my mentor and she was like that's not how mentorship works at all like you know I need to see what you're doing and then figure out like how I can help you whatever and it was then it was after that that I heard that that podcast that said if you want a mentor figure out how you can be useful mm-hmm. to them and that's the the mentality that I adopted after that after I heard that podcast and so whenever she had any events in Austin I would since I, I do photography I would go to the event I would um, do photography for the event I would also write about it because she also happened to be um, at the time she was doing her skincare line and she was very much about um, uh, women like taking care of themselves and just being good to themselves and like and so that that was right in line with like my body positivity yeah. stuff. So I would write about her work, and anytime she needed anything, I was there. I wasn't even seeking the mentorship anymore. I just like I was just like, this woman is amazing, and I need people yeah. to know. And so that's really what I did. And I would do the photography. I would do the writing. I would repost anything she was reposting. If she was having a fundraiser, I would figure out how to be useful. And then one day she was like, I want you to come to Senegal. Oh, and wow. yeah. Just like that, she was like, I, I, really, I would love oh for you to, goodness. you know, come to Senegal and just see what I do over there. And it was actually, she asked me this for like a good two years. And I kept turning her down because at the time I was yeah. working at Dell. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to have enough time, enough vacation time to do it. And then last year, I don't know what was going on in my mind. I just up and quit my mm. job. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm done fun and then I called her and I said I'm ready for Senegal now and just like that I went to Senegal for a month you know got acquainted with everything that she was mm-hmm. doing 
um, helped as much as I could. Again, with the mentality that I want to be as useful as possible. And she, when I came back, she was like, I need you, like, on my team, like, full time. Wow, yay! (laughs) So, yeah, here I am, uh, now going back to Senegal for three months, and so I can be more in-depth with with everything that that she's doing. Um, So, yeah, that's that's really, that's That's really it. That's fantastic, oh my goodness. It's almost like, what's the word? Is it kismet? Is that the word when something's like meant to be or something? That yeah, was right. What I was, was thinking like, sweet, like like serendipity, really. Like everything just yeah. kind of it was just so meticulous. Okay, like I just know this is not me. Like there was no way I could have, you know, made mm-hmm. this happen on my own. Like no way. Like how everything unfolded. Like yeah, yeah definitely. It right. wasn't me. Like like when you were set, saying how you like the restaurant thing, I'm like. She is not about to tell me that that lady was in that restaurant. And then you did. And I was Girl. like, oh, my gosh. This is this like, bananas. What are the odds? What are the odds? And it wasn't even the restaurant I was supposed to be in. Like, I, it was the second restaurant. Right. So I was like, that has to be, has to be meant to right. be, you know. Like, so, yeah, that was. Oh, a, <laughs> yeah, that was that was just really cool. And, yeah, so now we have a really good relationship. And I, as usual, I am always trying to figure out how to be yeah. useful and that's 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 really like you know my driving fighting force yeah. i guess that's yeah. so good i'm so happy for you so proud of you oh my god so is she back and forth between senegal and austin as well or uh now she, she actually moved back to, to california with oh, her okay. husband but yeah she travels to to senegal quite a bit um but the, the the aim is also that you know the more that I am like embedded in the operation in Senegal, the less she'll have to travel, mm. because she travels a lot, not just to Senegal, but like all over the yeah. the world. And I mean, she's like always like going somewhere to a different country for conferences, for for um, events, and like speaking engagement and things like that. And really, I, I'm hoping um, to to be able to kind of take some of the labor away yeah. from her so she can focus on other things. Yeah. So I really, I, I hope to make things work so well in Senegal that she doesn't have to travel back yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the yeah. goal for me, my personal Wait, goal. so is it just going to be you there? She's not going to be there with you? Um, I mean, she, of course she oh, has, okay. she has like employees there, like on oh, the that's ground. Oh, right. she has but, a team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She has a whole team of people there, but like as far as U.S., yeah, it will mm-hmm. just okay. be me. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow, wow. So it's like, um, wh- what is it that you're hoping to do? I mean, I know like the first time you went was like getting more acquainted and now you're going for a longer time. I guess compared to last time, what is it that you're looking forward to like uh, accomplishing or like contributing to when you go this next time? Um, Girl, I guess a little bit yeah. of everything. Because uh, first of all, I, as far as like from the just the marketing side, I'm gonna be producing like uh, more photography, like the one mm-hmm. that you saw that first time around, like more photography, uh, more videos this time. Um, just really, I guess, give like more storytelling mm-hmm. um, to, to just discuss. I, I remember actually that was one thing that I told her that I, I said I wanted to be her griot. I don't know if you know what a griot is, but in our culture, a griot is someone who who sings the praises of the of of, of like the mm-hmm. king. Uh, 
so basically like I'm I'm telling everybody of all the things that you have done you have accomplished and like all your feats and so and I said because she doesn't talk about herself enough and I said I want people to know I want people to know like what uh, like uh, just a phenomenal person you are and how how dedicated you are to 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 Africa and like making things better for for our people and and I guess now I'm I, I'm getting a chance to do that with through my photography my mm-hmm. writing um, and the videos that I'm going to make so that's there's that part um, and then with the school I I'm basically going to be streamlining all the processes like making sure we have like a a, a teacher who is well well trained in the new methods that she mm-hmm. that she's doing because like I said she's trying to turn everything upside down so we don't we don't want someone who's going to come and repeat what's already done in right. other schools. So, um, because I'm I'm so well acquainted with her vision and all of that, I'm responsible for, for the training of the teachers and making sure that everything is streamlined. Uh, we're, we're increasing the number of students this mm-hmm. year, so we have to get them integrated. Um, and also, I'm going to start, like, with, with the storytelling as well, the, the videos, the the photography we're, we're building like a portfolio for fundraising so as we expand the school we're able to like show people like this is the progress mm-hmm. we've made what we're doing this is the data showing how much better students are off mm-hmm. with us so yeah i'm handing all of that and uh and in any other way that i that i can be useful i yeah. will do it wow yeah. yeah that's a lot but a lot of exciting things yeah. you know yeah, I'm very yeah. excited. I'm very, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm, I'm very nervous, but I'm excited. I'm super excited. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I wish you nothing but good luck. That sounds awesome. That you're. When do you leave? The twenty. Oh, this month, and then you're gonna be gone for three this months. This month, girl. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's so exciting. Yeah. Wow. It's just, just like what a way to start the year to have those plans already set. You know. Right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Because honestly, I was like, "What? What's wrong with me? What's What's going on in my life?" But I forget. Yeah. I forget that amazing things are happening. So yeah, it it really is a good way to start off the year. For sure. For sure. Um, okay. A couple more questions for you. Um, okay. So let's see. I guess. Well, where am I trying to go with this? As far as like. Um, you know, studying abroad in Ghana or, like, going mm-hmm. to Senegal for work. Um, mm-hmm. Were you able to, like, with Ghana, did you get any assistance, like, funding for scholarships or anything like that? Or when living in Senegal, like, that's obviously a different situation when you're, like, living somewhere for work. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of, like, yeah. as far as, like... um Funding your like daily expenses or your living expenses, any type of any tips in that regard. With with uh, I should mention that also I also went to Kenya as well. That's another country I went to. I went to Kenya and oh, Morocco. Okay, wow. Yeah, but um, with with MSU, yeah, I definitely got funding. Uh, um, I applied through my department mm-hmm. in, in the public health department for like a research research um, mm-hmm. grant, so okay. that, that helped. And then also, guys, such a long time ago. <laughs> but I definitely, yeah, I looked, I looked up because I one thing that I, that someone told me was that there is money out there in, in mm-hmm. the school. I mean, like there's money out there. For people who want to give money, and a lot of people don't yeah. claim that money. So you just need to figure out what what is there and figure out how to 
formulate your application in a way that sounds like what they need and they will give you the money because a lot of people don't mm-hmm. even claim it so yeah I did it through my department I did it through the department of uh, of biology I think for, for research okay. as well and so I, I just got like 200 here 300 there a thousand there and so I guess kind of how I got okay. my funding for the for the school uh, for the study abroad for Kenya that was all expenses paid because I, I went through an organization that was also doing a water and sanitation mm-hmm. campaign so they paid for my plane ticket and like room and board and everything I just had to show up and do the labor of like whatever needed to be done and yeah so that was that and work well I guess it's just work so I get a, mm-hmm. a stipend for that but but yeah I mean I don't even know if that was no it was it was I I feel like I I could have like phrased the question better because I was thinking as I was talking but no that was very very helpful um uh yeah especially because you kind of um well like with Senegal and I remember at the time you were like you like I quit my job I'm like really excited but I also don't know what I'm doing like what the heck have I just done and then you know to to go and not just do your work but be able to like live and figure out how you're going to make that happen financial financially you know um but you said you had a stipend I'm also very I'm also very low maintenance so like as far as like living expenses and stuff like it wasn't a huge problem for me because I don't need to to, like go to this like crazy like excursions or whatever not yet. I'm stepping <laughs> onto that, but <laughs> but but yeah, like I, I like to be immersed in in the place mm-hmm. where I am, so I don't need to stay like at a fancy hotel or anything like that. Like, give me a house where I can stay, and like I'm I'm all good. Like I will walk places mm-hmm. if I have to. Like it's not like a really big deal to me. Um, so yeah, it's just like I, I think if you if you're trying to travel on a budget try to be low maintenance as, as much as possible gotcha yeah yeah I definitely agree with um, that for sure um and then okay yes another question well I feel like you've already given like mm-hmm. lots of like really good advice but like thinking about like your your journey so far you know you moved mm-hmm. here from Cameroon and then you you went to to Ghana and Kenya for like your studies and then went back to Cameroon at some point as well and now you're you're going back and forth to to Senegal um I guess thinking about all your travels and the different reasons that you traveled for um do you have any like major takeaways from those experiences that you'd like to share um I really I think I think honestly the humility is important uh like I, and I say humility because most of us we assume that we're, we're humble and at least we hope that we're humble but we don't notice the subtle ways in which we have mm-hmm. an ego when we want to arrive somewhere um, like for example getting somewhere and like expecting people to speak English even though it's very clear that the, the first language in the country right. is not English um, noticing how you feel superior to certain people um, and like, I, like you really have to be aware of that because we, a lot of us, don't even realize when we're doing it. It's so subtle that she, it, it almost goes unnoticed mm-hmm. to you, but the other person notices when you're when you're treating them as if they're inferior. So it's so important to like to be very deliberate about how you treat people and noticing your your sense of superiority and trying to like check that. Uh, being open 
to to the way the different ways that people interact with each other. Um, figuring out like what are the things that you can pick up, things that you can learn. Um, like I'm I'm a collector of that. I'm a collector of of human dynamics. Like um, like noticing how in Morocco like. Uh, the relationship between men, how they're so very touchy with each other and, like, how they, like, kiss each other on the cheek and on the forehead and, like, mm-hmm. hug and, like, they're just so much more, like, it's, I guess not not so afraid to be loving mm-hmm. one another. But, like, how um, in Senegal, for example, they, the, the, when the, the word for my friend is, my friend is Sama Harit and it means, it means my, my other mm-hmm. half. And so, and how like that affects the way that people interact with each other. Um, so I just, I guess, I try to just be aware of that and figure out how people interact with each other and what's the good things that I can learn and like add to my my relationship vocabulary, yeah. I guess. Um, and so yeah, just figure out what what your thing is that you really want to learn and like collect that, I guess. And yeah, and just be just be as humble as possible so you can respect. The, the ground that you walk on, the history that you that you're experiencing, the people and all of that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Very insightful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, my very <laughs> all right. And my very last question um, is: Where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Um. Oh, I think and I was only girl. I was not ready for this. <laughs> I'm gonna be famous. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm going. To, I'm going to embarrass you no, on this podcast. No, no, this, this is ridiculous. great. I'm not. No, this is wonderful. You're not embarrassing anyone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Where can you find me online? Um, so there's there's my Instagram account. That's where you can, I guess, you'll be able to keep up with all the photography and and the random ramblings mm-hmm. that I have. So Instagram is at uh, Bella Happy Feet, and same thing for Twitter. It's the mm-hmm. same handle for Twitter, and also the same thing on Medium, where I, I once in a while I write about like insights that I have about human dynamics mm-hmm. as usual. Uh, and then my blog, thedearbodyproject.com, and okay. yeah, and Facebook is Isabel Masado. Okay. So yeah, find me at all the things. Tell write write to me. Oh, speaking mm-hmm. of writing, girl, every single time that you write to me and tell me about breakthroughs that you oh. have, <laughs> that you don't even understand. Like I need you. To, I need you yeah. to know. <laughs> how how that makes my day like i swear to you i have a vision uh-huh. board where on the vision board i wrote somebody's going to write to me and tell me how my writing has changed their lives and how how my writing has changed the way they feel about their bodies so you are literally an answered prayer oh. like it's i swear it's a big deal <laughs> I know, like, we're way off topic like find me on instagram or whatever but like i need you to know <laughs> You are you are truly truly an answered prayer. Like I wrote about wanting this, and so you gave that to me, and I, I, I'm just so thankful, so thankful, because you make me feel useful. You really Aww. make me feel like 
these things because I, I so I so desperately want to to be able to to help people on their journey and like whenever you write to me I'm just like oh my god I'm actually doing a thing like I'm not crazy <laughs> oh my god and so it's <laughs> I'm, I'm I am a little crazy but like really? not that part but <laughs> it's just man <laughs> but like I'm just so thankful to you and. <sighs> You're just, you're Man, just awesome. I'm happy to hear it, but I'm still in holiday mode. I don't appreciate you making me all emotional and stuff when I'm trying to do this interview. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, that's very, uh, that's very encouraging. And I'm glad that we've been able to kind of help each other in that way, you know? Honestly, um, right? How awesome is that? How yeah, awesome. that is pretty awesome. <laughs> Yay. Oh man, I'm glad. Uh, so, so, so yeah, people find me on all the all the yes. social media platforms and whatever. Holler yeah. at me, Instagram, me what's Twitter, up. yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Medium, Dear Body Project, and then Facebook yeah. and Facebook. Oh, you know what? I meant to ask this at the very very beginning, and I kept forgetting. I for the longest time, I felt like maybe I was calling you by the wrong name. Because I met you as Danny, but then, like, your name is Isabel on so many things. I'm like, yeah. am I been calling her the wrong name this whole time? No, 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 no. But then when you no. introduced yourself, your na- you said your name is Danny Isabel. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess she uses both. Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, it's, no, Danny is fine. I think, actually, it's because people kept telling me that Danny is a, a, is a, is a guy's name. Because it's not Danielle, it's just it's just Danny, and we're like, why do you have a guy's name? And I was like, ugh, fine. So I just changed it to with my middle name, and so I just go by gotcha. Isabel now. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, either either one okay. is fine. Either one. That's is good fine. to know. I didn't yeah. want to feel like I was calling you the wrong name, but I totally got. I totally no. Get that. I directed you. Like that's no, why no. I never let no, no, people no, no, call no. me Danny because I was like I. I I thought like that, like Danny is a boy's name. I'm not a boy. Don't call me Danny. Like yep. you know, now it's just like whatever. Mm-hmm. People do that. It's like fine, whatever. But no, I totally get that. Um, okay, thank you for clearing that up for me because I wanted to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, no, you're good. Okay. You're good. I would have let you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for this. I had a really good time talking to you. Um, starting the, you know, because I was like on break, so this is like me starting back with interviews and stuff. So I'm really glad I got to do that with you as the guest, you know. Um, and it's been really fun. Thank you, and I hope you. Yeah, it was yeah. Really fun. I hope you've enjoyed yourself as well. Thank you for sharing all the just the ins- insights and the profound ideas that you have and, and being so vulnerable it's it's wonderful and i really do wish you nothing but the best in your time in senegal thanks yeah, for sure thank you i appreciate but, it this was so yeah. much fun <laughs> i'm glad i'm yeah. glad um so i'll let you enjoy the rest of your evening um i don't know what you have planned but i will obviously keep in touch with you i mean i'll be keeping in touch with you anyway but as far as as far as this goes this interview goes i'll let you know like when it's coming out and if I have questions or anything I'll be sure to to let you know yeah all right cool okay well you have a good evening okay I'll talk to you later thank you (laughs) all right y'all there it is thanks to Isabel for being such a wonderful guest continued best wishes to you in your time in Senegal and I hope you like how this all turned out. 
For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you like what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So this episode is episode 30, and uh, you may or may not know that I kind of go by tens when uh, measuring the progress of this show. (laughs) So every 10 episodes is like a small milestone for me. So um, with this being episode 30, um, next week I'll actually be putting out a new 10 cents episode. I'm just taking some time to to reflect and uh, check in and give honor where honor is due. So that will be next week, next Tuesday, and then um, the Tuesday after that, so two weeks from today, will be the next full episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad. Speaking of which, uh, the next guest will be uh, yet another friend of mine from college, (laughs) and uh, she's also uh, originally from somewhere else and then ended up um, moving to the States and has been here ever since. And uh, so she did an internship in South Africa and did some service learning in Mexico and then has actually coordinated and and led study abroad programs for high school students in um, the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica. So a really passionate individual who has a heart for students and um, has a really interesting perspective. So I'm really looking forward to having you all hear what she has to say in two weeks. And then again, um, the next 10 cents episode will be out next week. Um, But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.